Welcome to the new podcast interview series by My Dear Kitchen in Helsinki blog. This is a project that I wanted to do for a very long time. I've always been interested in social, cultural, and political aspects of food, and I wanted to reach out to people in Finland, researchers, practitioners, activists, and any other food-related people to discuss their works, the topics that emerge around food, current situation, but also future projections. In the near future or later on, the location of the guests may stand beyond the borders of Finland, but my priority, at least for now, will be to see the local picture. My second guest this week is Estonian researcher Kadri Avik, who has been working on veganism and gender in Estonia and in Finland, and is a part of Climate Sustainability in the Kitchen, Everyday Food Cultures in Transition project in University of Helsinki. She's also a food blogger and has the oldest vegan blog in Estonia. I will put the links to her university page and blog in the description. I saw her presentation about veganism and gender two years ago, and since then I've been hoping to get a chance to have a discussion with her. Hope you like our discussion as much as I did. Okay, so welcome and thank you for uh, accepting this interview. It's so nice to finally meet you uh, because I've been following uh, your work for a long time. Um, and um, so I, I did give a little bit introduction before uh, about you, but uh, now can you tell a little bit about yourself, uh, your academic background, your research areas in general, uh, and, your, and, and in very general terms, your research, uh, especially on veganism. Hey. Uh, hi, uh, and uh, thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to uh, talk to you about these uh, topics. Um, I'm happy that um, you're interested in this uh, gender and veganism uh, topic. Um, so maybe a little bit then about myself. I, in terms of my academic background, it's uh, quite diverse. So uh, actually, in my undergraduate, I started out as an English teacher, never worked as one really. Uh, and then I went on to do uh, one master's degree in multimedia management, which involved some kind of uh, design, um, uh, graphic design. And then I did, then I actually started to grow an interest in, in gender studies and actually like inequalities, social inequalities more broadly. And that led me to do uh, a master's degree in gender studies mm. and then followed by a PhD in sociology. Uh, uh, so that in Estonia. Uh, actually, the, the master's degree in gender studies was in Hungary at the Central European University, which uh, now has moved to Vienna. Um, and actually, the gender studies program uh, was something that uh, the Hungarian government wanted to really close down. And so that was one of the reasons they moved. So that's that's quite a pity. But yeah, so that's where I studied. Hmm. And the PhD in sociology, that was in Tallinn University in Estonia. Hmm. Um, and so it's quite a diverse background and it seems sometimes that maybe it's a bit fragmented and I have a feeling that I know um, something about a lot of things, but maybe not always uh, in something in depth in a way. <laughs> but, but at the same time, I feel like uh, this diversity has helped me to do uh, interdisciplinary research that I do currently. And so um, I, I work uh, in uh, gender and feminist studies. Uh, in critical animal studies and in vegan studies, if I had to define the fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so in terms of my topics, uh, 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 I have studied, for instance, um, the role of institutions uh, in moving towards a more ethical and sustainable world. 
um, because I think institutional change is really important. Uh, of course, individual change and individual agency is, uh, is really important too, but it has to go in parallel with that institutional change. And, and one more, more specifically, uh, one issue I studied is institutional resistance to veganism. Mm. So I, I looked at uh, uh, Estonian uh, na national dietary guidelines and how veganism is depicted um, in that document. And then I also looked at uh, uh, the experiences of vegans in the medical system in Estonia. So kind of to see the role of institutions and how they, um, well, block or promote veganism. Mm. And then I have uh, studied uh, the animal rights movement and intersectional activism. That's something that interests me a lot. Like, so how it's not uh, just gender, but also like other, um, um, you know, forms of oppression based on other categories and how they are interlinked. Mm. Mm. And so my current research actually focuses on uh, uh, vegan men and masculinities. So I'm interested in the identities and practices of vegan men. Mm. And uh, so to, that kind of brings together my uh, a lot of my research interests. So veganism and critical animal studies and, and at the same time gender studies. Mm. So that's quite a big uh, project I'm, I'm working on right now. Mm. And that's how I uh, got to know you uh, two years ago in this uh, climate sustainability in the kitchen uh, projects um, presentation in 2018, November. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Um, so today I want to talk to you mostly about veganism and gender. But first, I'd like to ask you something that I saw in your in one of your papers uh, titled the rise of veganism in post-socialist Europe, making sense of emergent vegan practices and identities in Estonia. So in that paper, your main, your, your main point is, uh, or you're saying that veganism should be understood as a political practice. Uh, can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, definitely. And, and when I said that, I definitely am not the first person who has said that. So I kind of drew, was drawing an earlier literature too. But uh, what, what is meant by that is, um, and I definitely, when um, analyzing veganism, I think it's very often thought about as a diet or some personal food choice. Um, that's particularly in kind of popular imaginations, but also in some academic studies. And I think uh, this is like definitely one meaning of veganism, but I think it uh, kind of produces a limited understanding of it. I think it has got more dimensions that are very important. And uh, so it's not only a dietary choice or a lifestyle, but it's always like a political project because it's really uh, related to so many systems, different systems of power. Um, and um, although even if people who are vegans maybe don't see it always that way, but but maybe uh, more concretely. So if, if you're a vegan, then uh, you reject animal products on a daily basis. So it's it's about your everyday food practices. And when you refuse to eat other animals, you're actually contesting a very powerful social norm and you're doing it every day at every meal. And that makes it really political. It's a very political action. Mm -hmm. So contesting that uh, quite powerful social norm. Okay. Um, so now veganism and, and gender. Um, so when I first, when I saw your uh, presentation, uh, as I said, two years ago, I had just read Carol Adams, um, The Sexual Politics of Meat. 
and my interest in uh, food choices and gender was just starting at the time. So that's why I was uh, I was fascinated to find this uh, this uh, presentation. Um, and um, so, can you tell us about about uh, that research very briefly uh, to to begin with uh, this veganism and gender research? Yeah. So. Um uh, this research I do at the University of Helsinki currently, where I'm um, working as a postdoctoral researcher in this uh, project, uh, Climate Sustainability in the Kitchen, um, and which, which focuses on sustainable food transition. Um, and so, yeah, so, so I'm uh, studying uh, vegan men, their everyday practices, their identities, pretty much their veganism. And uh, this research is qualitative. And it's based on over 60 interviews. So I um, had interviews with vegan men who are based in Estonia and Finland. Mm -hmm. And why I chose those contexts? Uh, well, <laughs> one is practical reasons, definitely. I'm, more, I'm based here in this, re in this area and I'm more familiar with it. And also, uh, when I looked at previous research on, on vegan men and masculinities, it is really uh, almost exclusively um, based in kind of Western Anglo-American context. So I thought maybe to add something to this body of research from, from, the, from, from a different perspective. Um, and so in this research, I'm actually interested in a number of aspects. And in terms of outcomes, uh, there will be research articles, but eventually uh, uh, hoping to write a book as well as quite an ambitious plan. But so, so the aspects I'm interested in is actually how they transition to veganism, like what was that path like, you know, what motivated them, what were some difficulties, that kind of decision process. Mm. And then experiences of living as a vegan, as a vegan man, and how they kind of uh, negotiate their social relationships, because mm -hmm. you know, going vegan can definitely impact your uh, relationship to your family and your friends and other people close to you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, also like how their food practices have changed and how they relate to health and well-being. In fact, that's a kind of a small aspect that I'm currently writing a paper on. Mm. But but actually in this research, maybe one of the more interesting aspects that I that definitely I want to focus on quite a lot is uh, this relationship between veganism and uh, masculinity. So connecting uh, gender and gender and veganism. And uh, in some ways, uh, we could say that there's a tension between veganism and masculinity, uh, because eating meat has really traditionally been such an important part of masculinity. And if vegan men um, uh, kind of challenge that, then they don't, do not anymore eat other animals. They kind of uh, challenge this uh, norm of masculinity. And so we could say that uh, going vegan for men opens up some new ways of doing masculinity. And it can maybe lead to some more alternative or different ways of uh, doing masculinity or being a man. And it, that's something I also suggest in my research. But at the same time, I have to be, and I am really careful uh, to, to notice ways in which they also remain quite privileged. You know, so those men, for instance, that I interviewed, they are, they are white. They are, uh, most of them are middle class um, 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 educated, they are based in the capital cities usually or something, so they're quite a privileged group as well. But yeah, so uh, I'm still working on, on this research, but um, I think it's quite interesting. I, and something that I'm arguing is that uh, through this uh, practice of uh, veganism, uh, these men um, open up some possibilities for uh, developing more care towards uh, non-human and human others as well as themselves and then environment so uh, I think there's definitely positive potential here yeah okay so um, 
a bit about uh, your um, your findings. So, so in Estonia, and also you said that you are interviewing uh, also in, in Finland, uh, your, the, the Sweden men. Uh, so, do you think do you do you think that in these societies, these two countries, uh, meat is still very much associated with masculine identity, or are we really seeing uh, some kind kind of changes? Like, what what do you see in general from our findings? Yeah, uh, well, definitely, I could say that meat is associated with masculine identity pretty much everywhere still. Like, it's it's really. Um, quite dominant and um, not just in Estonia definitely uh, but definitely in some places uh, in some geographical contexts uh, uh, these associations are, are stronger and maybe it's more difficult for men to, co- to contest it because the consequences may be more serious if they do um, so I would say if I had to compare Estonia and Finland mm, that perhaps these associations are stronger in Estonia uh, due to the different history of the countries, for instance, the socialist past that Estonia has had, and actually, like really, the uh, possibility of going vegan um, really happened much later in Estonia uh, in terms of well, practically in terms of avail- availability of vegan products, but more even like the cultural acceptability of it, like. Um, it just wasn't really available that identity. So, um, and in, in, like, yeah, in terms of gender and mm, gender equality, uh, uh, Finland definitely has higher levels of gender equality and more egalitarian gender norms. So maybe there, are, that means that mm, some more alternative or more flexible ways of doing masculinity are acceptable. So that also makes veganism for men more acceptable as a practice and identity. Uh, but actually, when I mm, Look, when I analyzed the research material, the interviews, I found that um, neither in Estonia or in Finland, the men actually, they didn't feel that their masculinity somehow gets challenged by by their veganism, really. And also they haven't um, experienced any major negative attitudes towards them as vegan men. Mm. There were some minor incidents um, some which they didn't associate even with gender, but but generally um they're, they're, they didn't really feel that that was a problem okay so so can we say that they didn't they don't have or they don't feel oppression uh on themselves within their communities coming from their uh, non-vegan male friends especially for, for example uh yeah i i uh that's something really that i, I cannot uh, say based on my study my findings that they 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 felt that and maybe even i would contest a little bit that word oppression because i i really um uh i can't say that you know vegan men are or could be somehow oppressed at least the men who participated in my study mm-hmm. uh because you know they are a very privileged group in yeah. terms of gender and race and class and and i think that these privileges uh, together uh, they kind of make up a lot of the discomfort that they may face as vegans in some situations um and yes you're right that they did talk uh, uh, about some situations that they had some difficulty relating to others uh, because of their veganism and and some of this involved kind of interactions with the non-vegan male friends you know maybe some situations of uh, uh, grilling uh, in, in the midsummer night, which is really an important occasion in um, uh, Estonia and Finland, both. But but generally, um, they, they, they and also they manage these situations quite well. So they 
they kind of negotiated their way through this. Okay. Uh, well, that's very that's quite good to hear. Even though yes, oppression was maybe a bit too too <laughs> strong word, um, but uh, but you understood what I meant. So. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, based on your from your findings or uh, just general ideas, uh, is there a difference in motivation between different genders uh, of becoming a vegan? Like, and uh, is there a difference in the extent of being a vegan? Uh, what I mean is, are are they becoming uh, vegan only as a dietary food choice or adopting a complete? vegan lifestyle with also the products they use? Uh, so, um, um, yeah, so actually, uh, uh, so, so the reasons of, of uh, going vegan, right? Mm. So uh, they had um, different reasons, like there was health and ethics and environment, which um, featured either as single reasons or sometimes there was a combination but these are the, the three typical reasons usually for vegans uh, health ethics and environment mm, and typically um, the men kind of started out with one or a couple of reasons but then other reasons followed for, for instance some started with their own personal health concerns and they had read up about you know plant-based diets and they thought that's healthy they tried it but then they kind of got immersed into all this information about uh, eating other animals and about environment and then actually it kind of developed so that they, they they said that okay now i'm a vegan for ethical and for environmental reasons for instance as they learned more about veganism it kind of developed but um generally so you asked about also kind of the extent of veganism in that sense that um is it only a dietary practice or is it also like more you know, comprehensive. Do you also avoid animal products in other areas of life? And and yes, most men that were in the study, they did that. So they, it was not just a dietary practice for them. Okay. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I mean, whenever whenever we say the word vegan, the first thing that we think of is the food aspect, which is of course a big part of it, but it doesn't end there. And I'm seeing also as as as, as a person. Uh, with product design background, I sometimes also I, I see lately a lot of uh, development in in vegan materials and you know the use of these materials in different products from cars to you know whatever. <laughs> so um, yeah. So now continuing with uh, something else, uh, I, I've, I'm finding a lot of articles that discuss the intersectionality of feminism and veganism and so what do you think yourself about uh, about the connection between feminism and and veganism and i mean i I, re I i saw so many blogs and different websites that say uh you know vegans be, should also be the advocate against the oppression of of women and and things like that like uh the way that women are the things that women are facing when they're working in farms and things like that. So what do you think about that? Uh, so I think this is a huge question and you're yeah. right. It's being discussed a lot, you know, and so I, I don't think I can, uh, with a short answer, do justice to the whole uh, big theme, but maybe to say a few words. So of course, uh, uh, some particular eco-feminists have explored these connections between um, 
uh, veganism and feminism for, for quite, uh, quite a while now. And the most famous book is Carol Adams' Sexual Politics of Meat, which I think you're also familiar yeah. with, right? where really like uh, she kind of outlines uh, so what are the kind of uh, uh, links between um, um, how in, in patriarchal societies, uh, both women and, and, you know, feminized people, we could say more broadly, and non-human animals, like how they are exploited and oppressed. And, and so she kind of pointed out how it happens uh, through similar mechanisms um, in, in quite a good way. And so that has been really uh, influential. And also she was making connections between masculinity and meat eating and kind of really showing how it's such a cultural norm, the, the, those links. And so, yeah, the conclusion from this is that feminism must take the treatment of non-human animals seriously. And, and really, essentially, that would mean that feminists uh, should be vegan. <laughs> and this, I think it's still quite a provocative argument to many. Although definitely what I see in the contemporary feminist movement that, that you know, of course, um, all kinds of intersections now um, like that have, are in the human societies are being taken very seriously. And there's also like a definite sort of much more acceptance of also con considering other animals, non-human animals. So I see that as a positive uh, kind of development, certainly in the, in, the, in the feminist circles in Estonia and Finland that I'm more familiar with. Mm -hmm. mm, and also, uh, of course, now the approaches have become more intersectional. So no, not only about men versus women, but all these other categories such as race have come in here. But definitely when I think... Uh, sort of back to this, I, for a long time, um, I identified as a vegan and, and as a feminist, but I didn't bring uh, those together. And that was definitely before also reading Carol Adams's book. Um, and I, I kind of didn't see or didn't, didn't think it's possible to link those things. I saw them as quite separate. But if you ask me today, I, I, I'm quite uh, certainly saying that I'm a vegan feminist and kind of an animal rights feminist. So I, I definitely uh, link those two in my own values and, and practices. Okay. Yeah. Uh, continuing with that, what you, that you said about different intersectionalities, right, like race uh, and all. Uh, again, there are a lot of, there's also a lot of discussion about how white veganism is, for example, um, as understood and practiced in, in many Western countries. And, um, and for example, and the, in the US, for example, there are many vegans of color uh, creating, uh, building special communities uh, and activities related to these communities um, uh, because they think that they're excluded uh, in the, from the discussion. Um, so and what is your view in general about the race and, and this part of the discussion? And also related to that, uh, do you see or how do you see veganism as a tool for community building? Oh uh, yeah, uh, that's another huge and really important question to raise and we could talk a lot about that. And I would say, uh, you know, as a white, uh, white person, white feminist, I'm not maybe the right person to, to uh, and I'm not such an expert in that, but I definitely uh, very much um, think it's a very important field of research and I have tried to incorporate it in my, my work as well. And um, so there's great work by, by some feminist, vegan feminists of color, for instance, from the US context, uh, who have really discussed those links between race and um, our food practices and veganism. And really they have like pointed out um, uh, that whiteness, the whiteness of the vegan movement, particularly let's say in the US, but in many other Western countries. And this it's sort of got like 
as I understand, two aspects. One is like in terms of numbers. So simply you have got more white people um, than people of color in the movement. And that, that has to do with class as well, because usually, you, you know, people of color also, um, many of them tend to be um, not middle class or kind of, um, in, the, in terms of their class position, they are disadvantaged. But then I think uh, a more, even more deep and, and in, and really important aspect is that other aspect uh, of the kind of exclusion of people of color is in terms of how veganism is conceptualized um, uh, in mainstream understandings of it, how race is not really considered a relevant category by most white people uh, in relation to veganism. So in, in the eyes of many white vegans, uh, you know, it should be just about the animals as those mm, theorists of color have pointed out. And so that really shows how for these white people who come from, who are very privileged, um, that race, you know, in their own lives doesn't matter. And then they kind of don't see how it matters and is important to people of color. So these ex exclusions are really important and they really impact the vegan movement in quite profound ways. And so, yeah, vegans of, of color have really shown how even the category of human is really structured through race. So like the normative um, human being is white and people of color have still been, have been historically and they still are being animalized in, in yeah. many ways. And so, um, so I think like to, for, from white people or for the vegan movement to dismiss those, um, um, so those insights, I think it's such an omission and it's really like creates a movement um, that is excluding a lot of people. And so in order to, like, you know, as you talked about community building, if veganism can be used as community building, mm, you, you can't just say, like, it's only about animals and not to consider race or class. You have to be intersectional. Otherwise, uh, you kind of build a movement of just certain people who are very privileged and many get excluded. Yeah. Uh, and I think also, like, maybe to, to, to take this discussion a little bit to our context as well, maybe you can't always, like just take certain insights from Anglo-American context and apply it here. But I think you have to consider, let's say in Estonia and Finland, like what are some relevant categories um, based on which people are excluded. And for instance, when I think of Estonia, uh, ethnicity is such an important category in the society. Uh, we have got a large Rus Russian-speaking community. And when I look at the vegan movement, it's really almost exclusively consisting of ethnic Estonians. So there's a major exclusion happening, really. And if we want to do this community building, like we have to uh, be attentive to intersectionality and, and have to consider like what are some b barriers, why there are people and groups of people who can't join the movement, why, what can we do to, to include them? So I think uh, it's, it's super important. Yeah. Um. So I, I, we mentioned a little bit about this climate sustainability in the kitchen project. Can you tell a little bit about what it is, um, just so that you know people also would like to follow? And I'm going to uh, give the link also to that on in the description later on. Yeah, certainly. So, and it can be easily found uh, when you Google um, uh, "climate kitchen University of Helsinki," for instance, too. Um, so this is a project that started in 2018 and it's uh, funded by the Kona Foundation in Finland and uh, it's carried out in the Gender Studies Unit at the University of Helsinki mm -hmm. and we are a small team of researchers there and um, so basically the idea is to uh, study cultural change towards more 
climate sustainable plant-based foods in everyday diets. Um, and we look at you know different contexts like media discussions, policy making, and then my own research looking at uh, vegan identities and you know gender in relation to that. And um, yeah, and so this is there's a kind of research part to the project, but there's also a practical part. Uh, we have a good colleague working in in, in that area, and uh, so uh, in the project uh, we developed uh, vegan recipes. So thirty vegan recipes that are uh, climate sustainable. So actually, their climate uh, carbon footprint was calculated, mm-hmm. and so these recipes are um, uh, directed. Uh, to uh, large kitchens and lunch canteens in in Finland. And there's a recipe uh, website, which is ilmastoroka.fi. That can also be found on that um, Climate Kitchen website. And uh, yeah, so so we very much wanted to be like that there's a research part, but as as in critical animal studies and vegan studies, you kind of want to make a real impact to uh, to help the improve the lives of animals and so that's why we kind of value that practical component as well mm. uh, yeah great um, so okay fa- finally personal part uh, when did you become vegan how long has it been yeah so in, i became v- vegan in 2005 so it's been quite a while And uh, perhaps uh, shortly, I uh, became vegetarian uh, seven years before that, in 1998, after I graduated from high school. And that was uh, uh, really, I had no knowledge of uh, the ethics of, of uh, meat production or anything or um, or environmental uh, aspects. I didn't have any such information, but I had an experience of uh, uh, being exposed to meat products that had gone bad and that uh, produced an experience of disgust. Yeah. Uh, but then in 2005, I already were, I was more conscious of the ethical aspects of veganism, and I was quite consciously taking that decision. But even then, uh, um, that's then 15 years ago, I think it was quite a brave and radical thing to do in Estonia, because veganism was unheard of. Nobody knew what it what it is, and I didn't have any vegan friends, and there were very few vegan food options. Um, yeah, so so that's kind of my experience. But of course, now there's an explosion of Uh, vegan products but more importantly there's more awareness of it in the society and i have got a lot of vegan friends <laughs> uh, and uh, like vegan products also is precisely very curious about uh, about that about your um, view on this um, vegan food products that associate that have associated uh, names that you know, are like you know vegan sausage uh, vegan burger vegan cheese um what is your view on these this these kind of products do you consume them yourself a lot or do you do you do your own it's also easy to make your own vegan cheese um even vegan sausage i think it's it's easy to make though i never made myself um do you, yeah what's your view on these Yeah, actually, I find it quite fascinating how uh, it is a, a problem for a lot of omnivores uh, if uh, that vegans eat some products that look like meat or maybe have these names that resemble meat products. And uh, it actually seems to be pointed out as evidence that vegans actually miss meat and want to eat meat. But <laughs> definitely, I think uh, one reason we have those products is that also to diversify the vegan diet. And, and for some people who actually... Um, Uh, go vegan maybe they are used to those textures and tastes and so it's a good way to transition and I personally 
I don't, I'm not so much looking for those products. I mean, I sometimes consume them, but, uh, you know, I'm not like, a, you know, always needing to have them or anything or specifically looking for them. And I find, for instance, these, uh, um, what are they called? The Beyond Meat Burgers. I think they're too meaty in a way, like I'm not, not looking for that such immediate taste. But I, but I do think it's quite interesting how um, now recently some, uh, um, you know, it's it's banned to call some plant-based products uh, milks or milk or cheese. And I think it's uh, an interesting, uh, it's sort of an attempt by this industry uh, to kind of uh, have an ownership of these names and kind of to protect the industry, which maybe shows that they are in some kind of vulnerable position or, you know, because the plant-based products and um, veganism is spreading. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, about the these kind of products also helping with transition um, is, is a one aspect that I'm hearing a lot about the existence of these products. But also for me, I... I recently, uh, like a month ago or so, um, we, with friends, we were doing grilling and I tasted this uh, Beyond Beyond Burger, I think its name was. And uh, it is tasty, but it was for me too meaty. And I I, I, I don't look at all for the taste or the, the texture, especially of, of meat. So um, I, I ate half of it, but it's not bad, but it's definitely not uh, appealing to me and to, and just to be clear i'm i am not vegan i'm a vegetarian i'm str I, I try sometimes to be vegan but uh, my biggest struggle is with yogurt to be honest and as a turkish person because we have, we eat yogurt like crazy all the time and i tried all kinds of uh, vegan yogurts but they have they're always too sweet for me and because mostly i think people here um, associate yogurt with sweeter things like mixing with berries eating in the breakfast or things like that but for me it's with everything else like vegetables and and stuff so i i really i really struggled and and this comes to my last question. Uh, do you have any recommendations or suggestions for people who are interested in a vegan lifestyle, but who are struggling? Uh, where should they start? How can they be informed? Because there's also massive information everywhere, but you don't know how, how reliable all the information is. So, yeah, what are your recommendations? Uh, yeah, it's it's really maybe a bit hard to give um, advice in, in these very general terms because it all depends where the people are at. Like, what are their motivations to go vegan? What are their obstacles specifically? People are um, having are in very different circumstances, but so they may need a bit different support in different areas of veganism. Uh, maybe some need exactly that kind of support. Like, what should I eat? You know, and. To, what can I substitute uh, some foods with? Like what are nourishing and good, good, good tasting uh, plant-based foods? And, you know, I remember when I, when I went vegan, I, I wasn't even eating some food groups at all. Like, you no, know, I wasn't even um, ever eating uh, beans or peas, you know, and I discovered that as a really major, nice, uh, nourishing source of uh, food. And then um, like hummus, I didn't know what it is. And then I discovered it. So some people may need that kind of practical advice, Mm, others may maybe need some support how to cope in social situations you know it can be quite difficult particularly maybe when you're a younger person and and uh, the peer pressure is something that you feel quite strongly like what do you do so you may need to like 
negotiate that. Um, so, so I think there are quite different uh, areas where people need support. But maybe, uh, maybe one thing I point out a little bit is that um, that institutional change that I still uh, think is quite important because the capacity of people to really choose veganism really depends on their their circumstances. So we can already see that in some countries it's much easier to choose, like in Finland, mm-hmm. as a personal choice to become vegan, much easier compared to um, some other countries, you know. So I think the uh, change also has to happen in, in institutions like the education system, the medical system, things like that. Mm, so it really makes a huge difference uh, whether and how easily we can go vegan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't have any more questions, but do you have any final uh, words to say or we're going to end this interview otherwise? Well, I just want to thank you for these fascinating questions uh, that I feel like uh, um, I, I provided quite short maybe answers and I could always talk more, but I think maybe you got some glimpse into that uh, topic and I hope that the listeners will also um, get something out of it. So thank you very much and I, I really enjoyed the discussion. You're welcome. And thank you. I think I thanked you so many times by now <laughs> that you might be tired of it. But thank you again. And I'm definitely going to uh, continue following your work. And uh, and uh, good luck for the future pro- projects and research. Okay, thank you.